right. High Desert Word Center. Good Sunday evening, everybody. Who is excited to be in the house of the Lord together tonight? Amen. It is going to be awesome. We had a great service this morning preaching about Joshua, the son of Nun. And uh, tonight, actually, uh, my dad's going to be uh, going uh, after Joshua as well again. So uh, he's going to be hitting it from a different angle. So we're excited to be getting into this. And uh, God must have something important for us to hear about Joshua. I know that much. So we're going to have an awesome service. Uh, let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. We're going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America, and we're going to keep believing uh, that this nation is coming to Jesus. Amen. And we're going to say this together. Let's go. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise tonight. And you may be seated. All right, we're going to be getting into some announcements here. We got a lot of great stuff going on. We are at that busy, busy, busy time of year, but it's all good. And so, few reminders here. First of all, uh, we just trying to keep everybody in the loop that our uh, our new location um, over here um, where the Barstow Free Methodist Church was, uh, also known as Barstow Christian School. We're working on getting some things together so we can start our Sunday morning service there as soon as possible. And it was awesome because a lot of the people from there came and joined us this morning, which was super cool. So who thought that was awesome to have some of our new family with us? Amen. So that was great. And uh, we'll keep you guys in the loop as things progress. But uh, we're looking at being able to uh, get a Sunday morning going over there at 9 a.m. on Sundays in October. So we will definitely let you know what's going on. And um, and as we've said, they've got a very successful, wonderful food distribution uh, ministry where they uh, hand out, I mean, feed hundreds of people a month. And so uh, we're going to we're going to definitely get involved in that. And, uh, and anyway, if you're interested in helping with that, let us know and we'll, we'll get you directed in that. But that's a great opportunity, uh, for us to start getting, uh, connected in that level as well. So super cool. All right. Uh, tomorrow morning, this is a little different. Tomorrow morning at 9 a.m., our very own wonderful church member, Nick Alva, is getting sworn in at the Barstow Police Department. He's going to be, yeah. The newest police officer in Barstow, and he is, as you know, a wonderful man of God uh, with a heart for the Lord and uh, just a, an awesome man. So uh, if you're available at 9 a.m. and you want to be over there for the swearing in, I'm going to be there, Pastor Katie and a bunch of us. Uh, it'll be at 9 a.m. at City Hall, and I just think that that would be a great, great uh, thing for us to support him in if you're available. All right. Uh, tomorrow night is also our family. Family Life Picnic at H Street Park, everybody. And so... 
That'll be from 5 p.m. until it gets dark out, which I've, if I'm judging right, it's about 7, 7.30 these days. <laughs> and uh, and so we'll be out there. Just bring some food for your family. And, uh, you know, if you want to bring a little extra, then that's always nice. The kids can play on the playground and have a lot of fun. Uh, usually we have a football game or two breakout and some other stuff. So uh, it's just always a really fun time. But that's at H Street Park. 5 p.m., all right? And everybody's invited, everybody. So we would love to see you there, all right? Uh, now, who knows what's coming up in the month of October? Yes, Harvest Fest is coming up, and there is just so much going on with that that I simply cannot remember all the stuff that, that Desiree said this morning. So, uh, but that's, it's okay. Um, I'll, I'll go over some of it. We, uh, of course, need candy. The biggest need is candy. We're going to give out a 1,000 candy bags to the first 1,000 kids. And so, uh, and, and, and listen, as she said, we're not talking about, you know, a, a couple of dum-dums and, you know, those fake wax lips or something that they did back in the 80s. No, that's lame. We're talking about good candy, all right? I want these kids to get Snickers. I want these kids to get some Twix and some Reese's. Who thinks the kids deserve Reese's? Okay. Now, whether they deserve it or not, let's give it to them, okay? So, praise God. But uh, let's bring in candy, candy, candy. The candy bins are out there, and the, the youth group always has a candy competition with the children's church, and whichever one of them uh, has more come in in their bin wins. So, we got that. They're doing a little change war between the teenagers and the children, and so you can fill up their coin buckets, and whoever brings in the most there is going to get a pizza party. So, good job, kids. And then... Um, Lots of other fundraisers. There is a table back there uh, by the bookstore. It's the Harvest Fest table. And uh, all the information's on there for all the fundraisers. Because, again, I just can't remember all of them. Um, and then uh, this is going to be a big one. I can remember this one. And it's going to be called Taco Night. Who's ready for Taco Night, ladies and gentlemen? I, I, felt, I felt that, that you were. So uh, it's going to be Friday. The 22nd, it's a drive through taco dinner, uh, I think in the back parking lot here at Victory Hall, if I'm not mistaken. And so, big plates, it's going to be adults $12, kids $8, and 100% of that's going uh, into Harvest Fest. So, uh, we want to take advantage of this. It's a good night to have a good dinner, but also uh, bring in money for Harvest Fest. Those tickets are available right now at the Harvest Fest table back there. And invite somebody, you know, this isn't just for our church members, we'd love more people people to, to get involved. The more, the merrier. And um, that's going to be great. All right. Um, next up, we have our intentional parenting class. Who's excited for this stuff? Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So intentional parenting class uh, is a five-week class that's going to be starting on Sunday, October the 1st. It'll go from uh, 4 to 5.30, all right? So that'll get you out in time for the church service to start. But um, the cost is $30, and I believe that this is an essential course for for all parents. This is really, really important. It's going to help you get a game plan for your parenting and, and, and really establish some boundaries and, and some targets that you want to be hitting with your family. So really important. The class is great. Um, it, you know, a lot of it is, you know, they mix in some humor with it. So, you know, you'll get some laughs, but it's more important than that. You're getting a godly game plan 
for raising your children. Highly recommend it. It's $30. That'll get you the book and any other class materials. Um, and so there's a QR code at the info booth. They told me if you scan that, it'll take you where to, to pay at. So praise God for that. All right. Well, I think that's all of the announcements we have for tonight. So who knows what time it is now? Yes, sir. It is happy time. And you're like, well, what's that? Well, God loves a cheerful giver. It's time for our Sunday evening tithes and offerings. If you need an envelope, raise your hand and the ushers would love to get one to you. We're going to open our Bibles to second Corinthians chapter nine, second Corinthians nine. And if you're given online, you can go to hdwc.org slash giving. Amen. So we're going to look here at second Corinthians chapter nine. And verses 6 and 7, and I'll be in the New Living Translation here, the NLT. So 2 Corinthians 9, and we're going to be looking at verses 6 and 7. And the Apostle Paul tells us, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Well, I like the idea of a generous crop. I'm, I got older brothers that are farmers, and I know in the farming community, it's a lot more popular to have a generous, bountiful crop. Amen? Everybody wants more when harvest season comes, but we don't get that if we're not planting any seeds. All right, verse 7, it says, You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully do we have any cheerful givers in the house tonight yeah i knew it all right and then verse 8 says and god will generously provide all you need then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others i love that amen we want leftovers we want more than enough hallelujah well let's go ahead and stand up together tonight amen Praise God. We're going to speak some words of faith over our giving. And then we're going to get into some praise and worship tonight. All right. Let's go ahead and say this together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. If you want, you can join us at the altar for praise and worship. And don't be afraid to put your hands together and let's sing to the Lord tonight. Every fear overtaken, every wall comes crashing down. I am free in your presence, whoa. You have lifted my burdens You surround me with your grace Full of hope in your presence Whoa. And I, 
I can't stop singing about your love. I can't stop singing about your love. My heart is overcome. And I, I can't stop singing about your love. For everything that you've done, my heart is overcome. I see the kingdom of heaven pierce the dark with endless light. We're alive in your presence. Whoa. And you have won our salvation at the cross, one sacrifice so secure in your presence. Whoa. And I. I can't stop singing about your love. I can't stop singing about your love. My heart is overcome. And I, I can't stop singing about your love. For everything that you've done, my heart is overcome. I see the kingdom of heaven pierce the dark with endless light. We're alive in your presence. Whoa. You have won our salvation at the cross, one sacrifice so secure in your presence. Whoa. And I. I can't stop singing about your love. I can't stop singing about your love. My heart is overcome. And I, I can't stop singing about your love. For everything that you've done, my heart is overcome. Praise you forever. Your love goes on and on. I sing to you, Jesus. You are my first love. I praise you forever. Your love goes on and on. I sing to you, Jesus. Let's sing that. You are my first love. Sing hallelujah, you are my first love. Sing hallelujah. And I, I can't stop singing about your love. I can't stop singing about your love. My heart is overcome. And I, I can't stop singing about your love. For everything that you've done, my heart is overcome. I praise you forever. 
Your love goes on and on. I sing to you, Jesus. Let's sing that. You are my first love. I praise you forever. Your love goes on and on. I sing to you, Jesus. You are my first love. Sing hallelujah. You are my first love. Sing hallelujah. And I, I can't stop singing about your love. I can't stop singing about your love. My heart is overcome. And I, I can't stop singing about your love For everything that you've done My heart is overcome You are my first love Sing hallelujah You are my first love Sing hallelujah You are my first love book of Romans tells us that God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's kind of what this song talks about. So let's just think about that as we sing this together. I can't forget I still remember the place you found me and I surrendered when your grace covered my shame and saw my need you gave me I love 
us that nothing can separate us from the love of God. No circumstances and nothing else that goes on. So let's just sing this together. Nothing could tear me away from 
just love you by word but we love you by deed we purpose to be doers of your word we purpose to demonstrate your love everywhere we go starting in our own home Lord we want to thank you Jesus that our families even <laughs> need love and the best place to receive love is right in the home and then from the home to the workplace to the people all around us every day. Father, thank you that we're going to be people that live in life. John 13, 35, we just said, By this shall all men know you're my disciples, because you have love one for another. Thank you for that great love, Lord, not just in church, but everywhere we go. And your word tells us you loved us before we loved you. You loved us if we were ungodly. How much more so now that we're godly and have your nature in us. But Lord, thank you for quickening us every day, every day, every day. What would Jesus do? Lord, we don't retaliate. We love. What would Jesus do? We don't cuss him out, but we preach him out with the love of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for using us to take your love to this whole region and everywhere we go. We're going to be known by the love. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Glory to God. How many do love Jesus? Amen. Amen. You know, Jesus said in John 14, if you love me, obey me. And so we want to be people that are doers of the word and not hearers only. Uh, tonight, we're going to be talking about Three areas of your life that Jesus is looking at. Three areas he always sees that uh, he wants to see how you respond and how you act on these things. But first of all, I want to show you a couple books out of the bookstore that I think will really help you. This is called Following God's Plan for Your Life. Following God's Plan for Your Life. That came out, well, I don't know, a lot of years ago. And I've got my original copy from years ago. And lots of times I pull that out and I go through there and look at places where I put notes or I put yellow through the words and red, but it's, it's all Bible. It's all based upon the Bible. And uh, I found out a long time ago, and I hope you find out because you're taught, not find it out by bad experience, that the best place to be is in the will of God. The best place to work is where Jesus wants you to work. The best place to live is where Jesus wants you to live. Amen. The best place to go to church is where Jesus wants you to go to church. We have to know that Jesus knows our future better than we know our past. And 
I learned from a great man of God years ago that preparation time is never wasted time. As you go through phases of life, God's preparing you for a new phase. And so you have to be where God wants you to be at that season of your life if you're ever going to be promoted. And I, I, I love following God's plan. But anyway, this book here will really help you. And I highly encourage you to buy that. And then here's another one called Pleasing the Father. This is by Gloria Copeland. Pleasing the Father, and that should be our highest desire. I know I, I, I keep a journal. I've kept a journal for over 40 years. <clears throat> and in my journal, as I go back and look at it a lot of times, I start off the same way. I'll be, I'll be just be talking to him and writing things down. And I'll say, Jesus, my highest desire is what to make sure I'm pleasing you every day, everywhere I go. And I haven't had 100% success, but it's always been my heart. I'd always never do that. But anyway, things like this will help you to be able to get direction from the Bible, which was inspired by who? The Holy Spirit. And who are we supposed to be led by? The Holy Spirit. Amen. And so we need to read and study things like that that are full of Scripture to help us see what to do to please the Father all the time. And that is our goal. Amen. You live long and live strong. But tonight, as you open up to James chapter 1, we're going to look verse 21 and 22. James 1, verse 21 and 22. Three areas of your life that Jesus is looking at. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of things he watches, but there's three areas that he particularly watches if you want to enjoy God's best. You know, you can live a mediocre Christian life where you just barely get by and get to go to heaven. Or you can live a life where you stay healthy, your mind stays strong. You're strong spiritually and you're able to be the blessing God ordained you to be. Plus, at the same time, you receive all the blessing he has for you in life. And so I, myself, I choose I want his best all the time. How about you? Amen. <clears throat> and so verse 21 of James chapter 1 says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and abundance of wickedness. i got King James says uh, superfluity and naughtiness, but the Greek says abundance of wickedness. And receive with meekness the granted word, the grafted word, or implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be you doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. But he says, lay aside the filthiness. And, you know, I don't know uh, how Christian in modern times can have much to do with social media. And so many other things. They slip things in there all the time. Things pop up. I just, I, I just, man, I don't mess with it. But sometimes I do go on Facebook just to see what's happening my family around the country and church things. I like to see church things going on. But man, they slip little things pop up there like that. And I, I don't know how a Christian can live on social media. But that's between you and God what you do. But to lay aside, he said those things. And then, now I want you to get this. He said, receive with meekness. The implanted word, which is able to save your souls. And he's not talking to sinners in the book of James. He's talking to Christians. And somebody said, well, I thought my soul got saved. No, your spirit was born again, received eternal life. But your soul consists of your mind, your will, and your emotions. That works with your spirit. Your spirit has eternal life. But why would he say the grafted word is able to save your soul if your soul was saved. Did you ever think about that? 
Amen. And so anyway, we're spirit beings. You want to write down 1 Thessalonians 5.23. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, says that we are spirit, soul, and body. Well, if the soul was what God saved, why do you say we're spirit? We're spirit, soul, and body. We live in a physical body. And so our spirit receives eternal life. Our soul needs to be changed day by day to get in agreement with the Word of God and with the Spirit of God that lives in us. And we currently, we currently live in a physical body that I always call my earth suit. When, when, when our physical body dies, our spirit and our soul go on. Did you ever read the story in Luke, in, in Luke chapter uh, 13, I think it is, about Lazarus and the rich man? It says that when, when Lazarus died, said he was in Abraham's bosom, heaven, and says the rich man was in hell. And he said, I, I'm in torment. His soul was in torment. His spirit was in torment. And then he said, do you remember in your lifetime? Well, that's part of your mind. There's a difference between your brain and your soul. You have to have a healthy brain for your soul to be able to do some things. But when a person's died, their brain's buried with them. Well, if that was your, if that was your real mind, then you wouldn't, you know, in heaven or hell, you wouldn't be able to think of it anymore because your mind's gone. But that's part, their soul contains your mind. And so we as Christians have to know that we need to receive with meekness the implanted word. And I think about that when he says implanted word. Uh, I know that, uh, I don't know a whole lot about all these nicotine patches, whatever kind of patches they got now, but I remember 20 or 30 years ago, it's talking about these patches, and the way I understood them, they put a patch on people and just kind of pump stuff into them sometimes to help them. And then I know I've heard about these different things, people have medication things now, they put things on them and just kind of pump stuff in them as they need it. Well, the Word of God, when it becomes implanted in your soul, in your heart, that as you need help, the Word of God comes out. The Holy Spirit brings the Word of God out, he says, receive with meekness. And that meekness simply means teachable. Teachable. You can't be a person that every time you hear something taught that you've heard before, oh, I already know that. Well, there's some things I know, but I, I like to keep learning about them. I know, I, I know as a pastor for years, it's always thrilled me when people that come to the church that I pastor, they'll say, wow, pastor, look what I just saw in the word. And, you know, I don't, I don't get puffed up and say, well, I was teaching that 40-some years ago. You know what I do? I get excited with them. I say, that's awesome. Boy, that is really, oh, that's so cool. I don't say, I just taught a six-week series on that and just finished last week. I say, man, that is awesome. And I know so many Christians that are more religious than they are Christians, they get puffed up. Oh, I know that. I know that. I know that. I know that. Well, if you know that, why don't you do that? There's a difference between knowing and doing. He says here, to be doers of the word, not hearers only. It's, it's not how much you know that gets results. It's how much you know and do that gets results. And we're going to be talking about that tonight. But anyway, I want you to see this right here. He says, receive with meekness that implanted word, which is able to save your soul. And so your intellect, your intellect is part of your soul, your intelligence. Is part of that solical arena. And so we, as believers, have to know 
that one of the biggest things we need to do, one of the most important things we need to do after being born again is get serious about our mind, will, and emotions, get things changed around. And uh, the reason I gave this title about three things Jesus is always looking at, years ago he spoke to me one time, was having a worship time in here just like this, and he said this just as plain as could be. He said, when I look at a believer, I'm looking at three things. I'm looking at your heart, your words, and your actions. Your heart, your words, and your actions. And what, what I've noticed over the years, because of what he said to me there, I've done a lot of studying, are those three phases of our life that he talks about. And I found out that in my own life, many times, my heart always stays right. I'm never going to turn on Jesus. I'm never going to blaspheme the Holy Ghost. I'm not going to use the Lord's name in vain. My heart always stays right. Stays right. And like Pastor Dave said this morning, he was raised in a household where that's all I did, spoke the Word of God all my Christian life. Like he said this morning, every time I heard my dad sneeze, <coughs> by Jesus' stripes I was healed, First Peter 2, 24. And every, every time a financial thing hit me, but my God supply all my need, for his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, Philippians 4, 19. Every time I was challenged, I can do all things through Christ to strengthen me, Philippians 4.13. My mouth's full of the word, and so I've always kept my words right, but the actions has <clears throat> always been my problem. And so you as Christians with a right heart and speaking like the word of God all the time, that's great. But if you don't follow through with the action part, you don't win. Amen. Amen. You know, the, 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 the Romans 10, 9, and 10, I was thinking about that while I was worshiping. says uh, that if you believe in your heart, Jesus looks at your heart, believe your heart, confess with your mouth, he looks at your mouth, that Jesus is Lord God raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Well, a lot of Christians might be able to quote that verse, or a lot of people might be able to, but if you don't follow through with action and speak the words out of your mouth, you can know it says that, that you're supposed to confess Jesus is Lord, believe it in your heart, but if you don't actually do that, then you're going to go to hell. Amen. And so we're going to look at some things tonight along those lines there that I believe they're really going to help you. But it looks at three things. And, you know, if you write those things down, what I just said, I think it will help you because that's in line with the entire New Testament of your heart, your words, and your actions. And so if you're going to enjoy the blessings of God, you've got to continually, every day, every day, every day, You've got to examine your heart every day. You've got to have a check on your lips, see what's coming out of your mouth, what your tongue said, what you're talking about. Are you speaking the word? And how, how are you talking about people? A long time ago, I made, I made the decision I was not the judge of my brothers and sisters in Christ. I made, I made the judgment that I wasn't going to immediately judge people that are doing wrong because they might be going to a really hard time. They're good people, but they're squeezed. I know that in my Christian life, I've been challenged where sometimes I wasn't as nice. Some seasons I wasn't other times. I was going through a hard time and doing my best to praise Jesus, to do what's right. But I was going through a hard time. I'm so glad people would have stoned me. And so we as Christians have to know that we should be quick to pray and very, very slow to criticize. And then follow through with action. So I've used those three criteria, judged by life, for many, many years. 
And you ought to think about that. You ought to write that down. Jesus, look at your heart, your words, and your actions. And I want to say again, in my own life, I've noticed that my heart and my words are really good, I'd say 99% of the time. But my actions, you've got to follow through. You've got to follow through with actions. What you say you're going to do, you need to do it. And you see it in the Word, you start confessing it. Get beyond confessing it and start doing it. Amen. Amen. Don't say, I believe in tithing, if you don't tithe. Amen. If you're going to say, if you're going to say I, I believe in tithing, then tithe. Don't say, I believe in forgiveness, if you're not going to forgive. Don't say, I forgive and love, I believe in love, if you're not going to love. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Whatever it is you see in the Bible that God tells you he wants you to do, don't just talk about it, do it. Jesus is watching. And I'm not saying that in a threatening way, I'm saying it in a real way. Because I know Jesus is watching, I want to please Jesus. I want to please the Father. Now I want you to look at Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and verse 2. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and verse 2. says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, <clears throat> that you, who's you? That's the spirit man on the inside of your body, that you, the real you, the spirit, present your body. You are to tell your body what to do. Your body's not supposed to tell you. You present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. God calls that part of your spiritual service to make your body eat right. To not put poison in your body. You don't need alcohol, drugs, nicotine, all those ugly things. Jesus said, you present your body. You tell your body what to do. And uh, I just know for me, I want my body to stay as healthy as I can because I want to live a long time. And you can't blame God. You can't blame God if you're a chain smoker and get young, uh, lung cancer at 40 or 50 years old. He'll heal you. He wants you to stop poisoning your body. Same thing with alcohol, drugs, and just lots of different things there. God said, you present your body. And so many people, they let their body tell them, let's go to the buffet. I quit going to buffets years ago. Might not look like it because my wife's a good cook, but, but, but I found out a long time ago that to me, I, I, the same thing happened to my head of picking out at those buffets like it did when I used to drink alcohol for a save. I'd get giddy, messed up, and couldn't think straight because I treated my body wrong. And so he says, one of our things to do as a spiritual service is tell our body what to do. And when I got bored again, I found out real quickly I had to tell my body on Saturday night, body, you're going to bed early because we're getting up early for church. And I've known so many Christians over the years that when we wouldn't see them on Sundays, say, why, oh man, I, I, I just, I watch the late show, I stay up, I do this, I do that. Well, that was my habit before I was a born again Christian. After I got born again, I found out it was more important not to go to get togethers on Saturday nights. Even Christian get togethers. Because I've never yet met Christians that could stay up late on a Saturday night and get up early on a Sunday morning and come to church. It takes a very disciplined Christian to do that. 
But then at that, you're not as spiritually sharp as you could be. Anyway, am I doing good preaching or what? I've talked about three things that Jesus looks at. He looks at, are you presenting your body? Are you treating your body right? What are you doing? That's just, that's just a, a, a byline of where we're going. At verse 2, and then he says in conjunction with that, because ants in conjunction hooks them together. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, once again, he's about you, the spirit man, changing your mind on how you think about life. Change your mind about how you look at things in life. There's no way you can watch the ungodly bad news or read the things on the Internet written by secular people or carnal Christians and think, think about it and see it from God's perspective. God's news has not changed for all these thousands of years. God still thinks about marriage the same way. Amen. God still thinks about money the same way. God still thinks about love and forgiveness the same way. God still thinks about how you're supposed to talk about him and Jesus the same way. God still thinks about uh, raising children the same way. God hasn't changed. He says, don't be conformed to the world. They've written so many books about child training in my lifetime. I'm 72 years old that I've seen things change so many times what they say about kids. But it's like everything else in life. They, they tell you all the things that's bad for you about coffee. And then this decade now all is all said this good. They'll tell you all kinds of things about food, about different kinds of exercises, about heart things, and a whole generation goes that direction, then they change it again. The Bible hadn't changed about child training. He said, you train them up in the way it should go, and then in the Bible, he's got tons and tons and tons of things that tell you how you're supposed to train them. And then you go read secular things by people that know nothing about spiritual things, God or morality, and they tell you how to let them be what they want to be. Do what they want to do. You don't want to warp their minds. Now you don't want to warp their minds, but you want to warp their butt. <laughs> yeah, we're not talking about child abuse. Talk about child training. And to be the example you're supposed to be. He said, don't be conformed to the world. I would never, ever, ever run to non-churched, ungodly people about marriage counseling. You know, from the experiences I've heard of, basically what they tell you is if it feels, feels good, do it. And just goofy stuff like that. And so he says right here to not be conformed to this world, but to be transformed. Transformation is a process. Renewing something is a process. He says your mind's to be transformed. So you'll know the perfect will of God. And so... Now get this, the new birth, talk about spiritual, that's instantaneous. That's the twinkling of an eye. No matter who you are, where you're at, when you open your mouth and you say, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me my sins. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died for my sins. You're raised from the dead, Jesus. I want you to be my savior. Nothing the devil could throw your way could stop that. It happens no matter where you're at. It happens. But then when that happens, your head did not change. Your soul did not change. I, mean, I remember when I was first born again, one of my best friends was an Italian. 
He'll, he'll all the time talk about his, about his Italian temper. And then I've known people talk about their, uh, I don't know what you call it, Mexican temper. Or about their this temper, this temper. I thought, you talk about your old nature temper? Italian temper is no different than Spanish temper. Amen. Or whatever, whatever race or country you're from, you got the old man, you got the new man. And so you can't blame things on where your heritage is or where you're born at. You got to say, I'm going to do something about that temper. I'm getting my mind renewed. I'm going to be transformed. I'm not going to be conformed to this world because I know this for me in the Samples family, I was one of the first ones born again in my whole family I knew about. I've got a, a big, 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 big family, but I know this. When I got born again, I said this, the curse over the Samples family is broken. I will never raise a thug. I had some thug brothers. We will never be alcoholics. My family is full of alcoholics and lots of other things. And I said, the curse stops here. I'm going to learn from the Bible what to do, how to live. And so basically, I've raised a lot of good Christian kids. Got eight of them. Now I'm overrun with grandkids. They followed me as I followed Christ. They're fruitful and they multiply. Amen. But, but, but it's the mind, the mind that we're talking about. And so uh, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I, I put this down here for that last part. So you'll know in your thinking process what his will is in decisions of life that you must make every day. Every day we've got to make decisions. And then sometimes we have to make major decisions. And I know... A lot of Christians I've known, they go around and say, all, all they do is say, I wish I knew the will of God for this. I wish I knew the will of God for this. And all I can think of is that the New Testament is called the New Testament, the will of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if I want to know what Jesus would do in any situation, I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the actions of Jesus. Then you go to the New Testament, the book of Acts is not the actions of the apostles. I would call it the actions of a lot of believers and some apostles. When you read the book of Acts, it's the actions of the early church. And so if I want to know the will of God, I'm going to read the New Testament. And there's a lot of good things in the Old Testament. But, I, I, you know, if you're going through a situation, and I think one of the biggest things I hear in the prayer line is family problems. All the time up here in the prayer line, people come up, <clears throat> they've got family problems. They either got problems with their kids or problems with people in their family, their extended family. They have problems. And all I know is I, if, you know, if I could really help them, which I try to do, I pray a little prayer, but you know, a little bless me prayer up here doesn't change how they think. Amen. They got to change how they think. And I just think 1 Corinthians 13, 8 would settle it all. Love never fails. What would love do? Well, if you want to know what love would do, then what would Jesus do? Think about the woman that was caught in adultery. And that, that shows you the prejudice of men. Here's this woman. How many are familiar with that story? Caught a woman in adultery and said they came and threw her at his feet. Said caught her in the very act. Would that be two people? Why wouldn't the man thrown there too then? 
Amen. It takes two for that sin. And so these guys come to Jesus and say, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. We want to stone her, Jesus. What do you say? He just got down, started writing with his finger in the dirt. It says one by one they walked away. And I've heard people say that he was probably writing their names down, all them that were in adultery. <laughs> it says one by one they left. And then he said, woman, where are those thine accusers? And she said, there aren't any, Lord. He said, I'm not, accuse, I'm not going to accuse you either, but go and sin no more. What would Jesus do? He said, I'm not going to accuse you, but go and sin no more. You know, as pastors, some of the things that we deal with sometimes in people's lives, the messes they made. I can't blame it on the devil. If you were the one that made the mess, the devil tempts everybody. But you don't have to go for it. And so if you don't submit to God, resist the devil yourself, and you make the mess, then we'll help you get out of it. But I can say this, go and steal no more. Go and fight no more. Go and stay out of sexual sin. Amen. Go and stay out of gossip. Go and quit stirring up trouble everywhere you go. Change. Not going to accuse you, but change. And that's what Jesus said. So what would Jesus do? If we're, going to, if we're going to follow Jesus and please him, all we have to do is just think about what he did. And what he did, if we do what he did, we'll get what he got. Amen. And so anyway, this, this, this solical life of renewing our mind is a major thing. And so do you know that you can be right in your heart but wrong in your head concerning the will of God? Right in your heart, wanting to do right, that because your mind hasn't renewed, you still think like the world. There used to be a popular bumper sticker back in Indiana that said, I don't get mad, I get even. A Christian should never get even. I would not want God to get even with me. How many times have we done the opposite of what he wanted us to do? How many times have we had the chance to stand up for Jesus and we chose to look the other way because we didn't want to be embarrassed in front of our friends or whatever. I mean, I'm glad that God didn't get even with me then. I think, well, okay, next time he needs me, I'll look the other way too. Aren't you? Amen. And so a Christian should never think, I'm going to get even with them. Well, I'll show them. And you, you know what? That's one of the hardest things it is to do because everybody goes to Walmart. Right, Sheldon? Amen. There's our Walmart man. Irma's not here, you know, Walmart lady. But in Walmart, in Walmart, if you see that person that offended you, it's real easy to go. Wait till they pass and then turn around and look back. Did they leave yet? Like you don't see them. Well, you know how I know that? I've been guilty. <laughs> Amen. But I, I make myself, I force myself, I make myself go out of the way to go the extra mile to try to avoid that because I'm not going to get even. I'm not going to give the cold shoulder. I want to just at least smile or something. Amen? And so we have to know that we're not conformed to this world. We're transformed. And transformation is a process. Learning to love like Jesus loved is a process. you got to start somewhere. you got to start doing little things so you can become a lover like Jesus is because love never what? I don't want to be a failure. 
Years ago, I wrote my Bible that if love never fails, then at the root of all my failures would be a, a loss of love. And so when it comes to financial things, I check my love life to make sure that I'm loving people right so the blessing can be on my financial transactions. When it comes to my health, I check my love walk to make sure what's going on because I don't want my, my health to fail. When it comes to my relationship with my wife, my children, my grandchildren, I want to make sure I keep the love of God moving. That's, that's called transformation. That's called a renewed mind because God is love. He lives in my spirit. And so if God's able to do from my spirit everything he wants to do in my life, then my soul, my mind's got to be renewed so God can flow through me with no hindrances. Amen? Does that help anything? And so your head, your thought process determines your actions. And your soul, your soul is directly hooked up with your head about how you think and what you do. And so your thought process will determine your actions because what you think on will influence your decisions. That's why it's so dangerous, <clears throat> so dangerous today to get involved with politics too deep. If you're called to be a Christian politician and think Jesus in, take Jesus into the government in the political arena, that's different. But you cannot feed on politics day and night, ignore the Bible, and think you're going to think straight. Amen or oh me. And, you know, without, without getting into it much, just because they legislate something and tell you that's the way it is right now, that's the law of the land, isn't the law of the Bible. I'm going to stick with the law of the Bible. Amen or oh me. And so your actions determine whether you receive God's best or not. And so we've got to renew our minds. And so I want you to look at Psalms 1. I'm going to look at verse 1 through 3. 1 through 3. And uh, Pastor Dave really hit on this good this morning. He did this from the Joshua's perspective, from Joshua 1.8. You need to watch this on YouTube or Facebook and uh, get the notes from this morning. But this, this is one of the most critical things in a Christian's life. Jesus looks at your heart your words, and your actions. And Joshua 1.8, when Pastor Dave was in that this morning, talks about meditating in the word day and night, that the word not to depart out of your mouth. That, in other words, that means you should always have the word of God or in line with the word of God coming out of your lips. And then when it says that uh, you'll make your way prosperous, that's what it says in Joshua 1.8. In my center column, it says the Hebrew that says, you'll be able to deal wisely in the affairs of life. In the Hebrew, that prosperous for Joshua 1a says, you will be able to deal wisely in the affairs of life. And I think about you business people, that business people in here tonight, that you will be able to deal wisely in the affairs of your business if you keep the word in your mouth day and night. I like, I like what Pastor Dave said this morning. We're not to follow after money. We're to follow after Jesus. And guess what? If you follow after Jesus, the money will follow after you. Well, how can you say that, Pastor? Because he said you'll be prosperous in the ways of life. <laughs> Amen. And so I didn't say it. Jesus did. I repeated what he said. The Bible says so much about prosperity. Prosperity means an abundance. It means more than enough. And as you know, some of us here, I think about Dave been to, been to Nicaragua with us and we've been there several times and, 
and Honduras and places we've been around the world that we know to them prosperity, great prosperity, except those places would not be a new car. It wouldn't even be a car. Some places would be having a little moped, a little motor scooter, or a bicycle. And with those mountains and places over there, it'd be nice to have a bicycle with brakes. I've been over there. Uh, I think about Nicaragua, man, some of the things I've seen over there. I'm talking about prosperity. Saw a guy coming down there at nighttime, and they don't really have, they got traffic laws. They got so many poor people, they can't enforce any traffic laws. I go down there, had a couple kids and his wife on, on a little motorcycle, and was coming down a highway at a high rate of speed, and just saw something flashing. He had a CD with the shiny side up, taped to the back of his seat there, our lights reflecting off that little CD disc. That was prosperity because he had somewhere you could see him. And so prosperity is wherever you live in this planet that God has you, of you having more than enough to be a blessing and be blessed in life. Amen. And so, you know, in other words, I'm saying, don't think prosperity is being a millionaire or how many houses you own or how many cars you've got. Prosperity is where God has blessed you, where you've got more than enough Take care of your family and take care of others. Be a blessing. Amen. Amen. He said you'll make your way prosperous and have good success. And so in, in Psalms 1, I'm going to read these three, first three verses and then comment on it. And this is God's instructions for how to transform your soul. This is God's instructions for saving of the soul, for renewing your mind, to get yourself changed. Your inner man, your spirit man is already full of God. I mean, you know, if you're full of him, what else can change in there? You've got eternal life. But you still have to live in this earth suit, and your soul is part of how you have to function through this. And so it says this. I'm going to read these three verses and comment. Blessed, and by the way, that word blessed in Hebrew means empowered to prosper. Empowered to prosper. The divine ability to prosper. Blessed is the man or woman that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. And what's this last phrase say? like Pastor Dave had to do this morning, read these last few words with me. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So Joshua 1.8, he says, by being a person that keeps the word of God in your mouth, in your heart, meditating the word, we're going to talk about the meditate in just a minute, day and night, says whatsoever you doeth shall prosper. And whatsoever I'm doeth in, in this phase of my life, has been a pastor and a Bible teacher. And so the work of my hands, the work of my life is you. The people that are watchers out there on YouTube, Facebook, social media, that is what I'm doing in life. And so as I prosper with the anointing of God, as I prosper with the ability to God to be able to bring forth the Word of God where people can understand it and be able to act on it in their lives, then that means you'll prosper. If you do what we teach in the Bible to do, amen. He said, whatsoever I doeth shall prosper. 
I meditate the word day and night. And so what am I doing? I'm teaching the Bible. And he says it'll prosper. And that, that's why, that's why we see the things happen in our ministry that do because we're very serious family. You're very serious people. And we do what God said to do. And he said, we'll prosper. I think about your business. Think about your business over here. And I think about the different businesses in this church as represented here. God said, you'll prosper. That's what you do. And God said, you'll prosper. But remember the thing we're talking about is your mind being renewed and being doers of the word and not hearers only. It's one thing to know it. It's another thing to do it. And Pastor Dave talked this morning, talked about growing pains. And I, I was told, you know what, when Pastor Dave was saying that, this morning I was thinking about my life. And I'll just give you an example of how it does hurt to obey God sometimes. Back in Indiana, we had a very successful church for a lot of years, went through a lot of things, had TV ministry, ministered to a lot of government officials, had a lot going on, and we took some serious hits. And we tried to keep things going, but things just didn't work. And so I had to take a part-time job as a truck driver while I was pastoring. For the last few years we was there, I drove a truck and I pastored. And then the Lord really let me know it was time to let loose of that so I could enter the next phase and get the pastor and go to how he wanted it. I never dreamed it was going to be 2,000 miles away in California. But one day, in between truck runs, I laid down to take a little nap. And do you remember when Peter in the book of Acts laid down for a noontime nap and then all of a sudden God gave him a vision? Well, I drove 18-wheelers. I didn't drive no little trucks. I drove big trucks actually for 28 years. For a lot of years, I drove big trucks. And so I laid down because I tried to quit this job over a period of a couple of years, at least three times I know of, and the boss was a backslidden Baptist. He liked me being around him. And so every time I go to quit, he would just do th- everything he could to keep me there. He wanted my anointing around him. And so he would give me a raise and cut my hours, give me a raise and cut my hours. And so anyway, I laid down this particular afternoon. As soon as I laid down and shut my eyes, I saw something. And I don't know if you can see this, but I'm going to explain to you. If you wasn't a truck driver, I think maybe you can. Well, back, back in Indiana, everything was grass everywhere, not desert. And so the interstates we were on, you drive down the road, and it was grass everywhere. And so all of a sudden, I had this vision. And I was behind another semi, you know, in, in CB talk, you call it a big truck. And so I was behind a big truck, going down the road, nothing but grass everywhere. There's no exits anywhere, no interest. It's just straight. And I was behind this guy, and all of a sudden, I saw him just cut off the road, go through that grass. But when he got on there, it wasn't grass. It turned into road. As he went, it was road. And I said, wow. I said, that guy made his own road. And I woke up. I knew what he meant that I had to start walking by faith and not by sight for the ministry again. And so I went in to talk to my backslidden Baptist friend. And if you happen to be watching, then I hope you're born again now, walk with Jesus again. But anyway, anyway, when I did that, I went in and talked to him, and he, he went through the years. Oh, no, no, you can't do that. And I just looked him in the eye. I said, yes, I can, because I'm going to be in trouble with Jesus if I don't. Because <clears throat> the gifts and calling of God about repentance. And so then... Uh, long story short, we started putting out fillers around the country for people in our realm of influence about they might need to pastor. We found out about this church. And so 
no, no money, nothing going on. We forsook, we forsook all and came to California. And that, that hurt to leave kids behind, two parents in a nursing home behind, to come out here. So we came out here, we got out here, and then people talk about this church today, this church wasn't like this then. But we did our part. It hurt to obey God of walking away from things emotional. It was hurting. We left two younger kids behind. And the first year we were out here, I don't think this is exaggerating, we took turns crying. I'd cry for a week when we thought about our kids. They were teenagers and with good, in good hands other, with our other kids and things. And so I'd cry for a week, and then next week she'd cry. Then the third week we'd both cry. And then the rotation started again, then I would cry for a week. Then she'd cry for a week. Then we'd both cry for a week. We went through that for about a year. It hurt. But the thing was, all of our kids are blessed. My dad and mom's in heaven. We followed the plan of God for our life because our minds were transformed and renewed to know we had to follow the Holy Spirit in line with the Word of God, what Jesus wanted us to do. Amen. And so it was an easy street. We weren't born with a silver spoon in our mouth. We had to do things the hard way. And so we had a church building we gave away. And the, our, all of our earthly possessions that would fit in a Penske truck, we put in the truck, we drove out here, and then we left things in that church building. Out there, we told the neighborhood and the people we gave to, hey, you guys, we got all this stuff here. If anybody wants it, come and get it because we're leaving. Amen. I'm just, I'm just telling that story so you have to know that God doesn't always make it real easy for you. When you know in your heart, he watches your heart, your words, and your actions. In her heart and in my heart, we knew that Jesus said, go to California. Did you hear those words? No. We're led by the Spirit of God. We do by the Spirit. We need to come to California. How many likes the results? Amen. Amen. But I want you to remember, we didn't fly out here on a jet airplane with thousands of dollars in our pocket and a big crowd waiting on us. We came out here into trouble. <laughs> but glory to God, we were good trouble solvers. Got things fixed up. And so I want to look at this really quickly here because this is God's instructions <clears throat> for renewing your mind. He looks at your heart, your words, and your action. And keep in mind what I'm saying now. What you think about is how you're going to analyze problems. Your decisions you make will be based upon information you have. If all your information comes from people that don't know Jesus, you're going to have false information. Amen. I'm not talking about natural things, about numbers, and, you know, just different business things like that. There's a lot of good wisdom in a lot of business people, but you've got to have Bible information to be able to make right decisions in life. And so blessed is power to prosper as a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Do you know that, uh, well, look at the next part, nor standeth in the way of sinners. And so if ungodly and sinners were the same thing, why would he say two different things? There's a lot of people that have plaques on their wall that says reverend. There's a lot of people that are church members but are not born again Christians walk in line with the word of God. And so the ungodly, I like to say it this way, how many know that in the beginning was the word, the words with God, the word was God, Jesus was the word. So in other words, to me, the ungodly, I always look at that verse this way, the non-word people. 
Amen. There's people in this church right here, I can tell you right now, I would advise you to get counsel from them. Well, how can you say that, Pastor? Well, Jesus told me to judge a tree by its fruit. And I love my church. I love my church family. And I'm called here to mature and equip the saints. Amen. I'm called here to teach them there's between right and wrong. I'm called to teach them how to say no to sin and yes to righteousness. And so right now, why some of them are still not living very righteous, I wouldn't go to them and ask them how to raise my kids. I wouldn't ask them how to treat my husband or wife right. I wouldn't ask them how to get a new job. Amen? And so it says, blessed is the person that uh, you don't seek counsel from the ungodly, the not word people. Now, on the other side of the coin, there's a lot of people in this church have a lot of godly wisdom. They're word people. They're very spiritual people. I'd highly advise you to hang out with them. Amen. It says, don't stand in the way of sinners. What's that mean? Well, that means this. If you got a choice to come to a church picnic or hang out at the bar and you choose the bar, you're hanging out with sinners. You don't go to the bar unless you're on assignment. If God tells you to go to there as a missionary to rescue a brother or sister out of there, I've done that before, then you go there because then you're on assignment. Well, one time, yeah. But those two guys are preachers now, too. <laughs> Amen. I led to the Lord there at the pool table as they drink their beer. <laughs> and they're preachers. But anyway, what I've said is this. We're talking about how you can renew your mind and be transformed. You've got to hang out with the right people. If you work with uh, unsaved people all day long and you still want to hang out with them all night long, then you're in the wrong arena if you're going to change. Your thinking is not going to be right. And if your thinking is not right, your actions won't be right. Amen. Nor sit the seat of the scornful. What's a scornful person? A scornful person, a person that murmurs, whines, complains about everything, but does nothing to change anything. I want to say that again in case you're taking notes, you need to get that. Because uh, we have the scorners in here tonight. I'm not looking at anybody anywhere. In other words, a scornful person is a very negative person. They always want to debate you on everything. They want to whine about politics, but they don't even vote. They want to whine about the condition of something in the church, but they never want to help. They want to complain about Barstow, but they never do anything to help Barstow. Amen. It says you don't hang out with scornful people. They murmur. They whine. They complain about everything, but they do nothing to change anything. You don't hang out with those. Well, if you're not going to do that, what are you supposed to do? I'm glad you asked that. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, the word of God. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. In his law doth he meditate day and night. Now, Pastor Dave gave some definition this morning. I, 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 I want to hook up with what Pastor Dave talked about. To meditate in the word of God, the Hebrew word denotes an active recitation, a re-speaking of God's word. Anybody ever heard of a recital? You ever hear somebody recite poetry or music or something? You know what they do? It's a recital. You're repeating something. You're doing something again. And so you're going to meditate the word day and night. You're going to be reciting the word day and night. 
And actually, from Joshua 1.8, that means ponder by talking to yourself. Ponder by talking to yourself, not thinking to yourself. I have not read my Bible in my prayer closet silently for probably 43 years when I learned about Bible meditation. I always read my Bible out loud. When I read my Bible out loud, my mind can't wonder. I'm using, I'm using my words. I'm using my ears. I'm using my eyes. I'm not just thinking it. Did you ever notice that when you just read the Bible, a lot of times immediately you forgot what you just read? But when you read it out loud, you're meditating on the Word. I want to tell you something. There's a difference between memorization, memorizing things, and meditation. Memorization has totally to do with your brain and your mind only. Meditation is a spiritual thing that has your heart, your spirit, because the Word of God is a living thing. And so as you're speaking the Word of God, you got your spirit involved, plus you have your mind involved. You can memorize facts and figures, but when you're meditating in the Word day and night, your spirit is getting that implanted Word coming in. Remember James 1. 21. It says, receive with meekness the implanted word. So as you're speaking it out loud, it's not just a natural thing, it's more of a spiritual thing. He calls it meditating the word day and night. That's why Pastor Dave this morning, I thought that was kind of cute, that I've just done so many years, I don't even think about it. <coughs> By his stripes I was healed, First Peter 2.24. Amen. Getting in a, a, a problem with somebody. Love never fails. First Corinthians 13.8. Love never fails. I've got to love. God is love. I'm going to love. First John 4, verse 7 and 8. God is love. He that walks in love is walking in God. God's walking in him. Amen. I've done that for so many years. It is second nature to me. I, my first, at, at, at the side of a crisis, my first thought is not, who can I call? My first thought has always been, what's the word say? Then I've already got my answer. Why do I have to go on Facebook? Test, has anybody ever been through this? Jesus has been through it all for me. He was all his points tempted like as I am, yet without sin. That's, that, that, that's Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. You want to know that one? Amen. And so I'm telling you, you need to speak it out loud. I want to look at another verse. We'll be closing it up in just a minute. Look at John chapter 14, verse 26. John chapter 14, verse 26. And so you can memorize the word, which would be okay, I guess, or you can meditate in the word, which would be God's best. You notice he didn't say memorize the word day and night? Did anybody notice that besides me? He said meditate the word day and night. And so to meditate means to begin speaking the word out loud. I remember when I first did that, walking around my truck dock, working, things like that. Sometimes somebody, and I wasn't trying to be a religious nut. I just, when I'm moving boxes down the dock, man, it gets kind of boring. I just quote the Word of God while I'm walking up down the dock. Somebody said, what are you doing, talking to yourself? I say, yeah. And they say, well, you answer yourself too? I said, yeah. <laughs> I'd say, yeah, that's for me. By his stripes I was healed, amen, that's for me. Lay hands of sick that shall recover, that's for me. Once I'm doing shall prosper, yeah, that's for me. I'm talking to myself. Well, he said, whosoever, why, but whosoever, so if whosoever shall do it this, receives this, I say, yep, I'm whosoever, talking about me. Let me tell you something else, too, with that. 
Every time you hear society, well, everybody knows it. If I have to see something on TV that's talking about really stupid, bad, sin stuff like that, say everybody knows it. I say, I don't. I'm somebody. I don't know that. I know what Jesus said. That's what I know. Amen. Do a better preach than you are shouting. So John 14, 26. Now, look at this right here. We're on our closer. We meditate the word day and night, and we prosper. Well, here's why. When you meditate the word day and night. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. The number one teacher of the church is not preachers, but it's the teacher in us. The teacher in me, the Holy Ghost, right now has been teaching you all night. I don't know if you know that or not. Pastors and teachers are a Bible gift from God. We're not some special people that's better than anybody. We're all wired different. We're gifted different. And so when God calls people to do what we're doing up here publicly, it's the Holy Ghost teacher in us doing the teaching when we yield to him. It says, he shall teach you all things. Now look at this. And bring all things to remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever. Here's the key. I've said unto you. If you don't meditate on the word day and night, he can't bring things to remembrance. Why do you think that when people like Pastor Dave I and, 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 and great men and women of God are preaching, they keep on quoting the Bible because they put the word in, the word comes out. Word in, word out. If all you put in secular things, secular comes out. At the first sign of sickness, you know, you've all heard my story. The last six years, God healed of uh, uh, stage four blood cancer. God healed a 99% blockage in my heart. And the coronary thing totally healed me of that. Had a stroke a couple months ago, totally healed me that quickly like that. That's because healing was in, healing came out. Amen. Meditate the word day and night. Whatsoever you do, so prosper. So I'm, I'm telling you now, if you want to know verses, shift from memorization only to meditation. And then something that I say this over and over and over and over again, don't just learn verses, learn addresses. Learn addresses. That's why Pastor Dave said what I'd say, by Traps, I said, 1 Peter 2.24, I've always, always, always quoted where it's at with the verse. That way, if I'm up here preaching like that, I don't just say, well, the Bible says, the Bible says, well, the Bible says, well, you know, the Bible says, I used to hear preachers say that all the time, and I'd ask them, where's it say that? And then as I began to mature as a Christian, look it up, I found out I didn't say some of those things. They said it, said it, but didn't say it. And so you need to learn where it's at, and then when you quote it, you tell somebody else, well, the Bible says in John 14, 26, that anything Jesus says to you, the Holy Ghost will bring it to you when you need it. Amen. And when you're a baby Christian, out of his mercy, sometimes he'll flip the page, things works because of the mystery of God. Well, look what, well, I opened up and that's what it said. Well, he wants you to grow up to where you could specifically find it, what it says yourself and show somebody else. But anyway, three things Jesus is looking at in your life, your heart, your words, and your actions, and the primary reason for this, meditate in the Word of God, that will change your thinking, that will transform your mind, that will renew your mind. And if you're thinking right, you'll make right decisions, which will control your actions.
All right, need some action back there in the sound booth. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, let's stand up. Amen. You, you know, one of, the, one, of the greatest, one of the greatest prayers, uh, greatest things in a pastor's life is to see Christians that are getting what they're preaching. Uh, one, more, one more thing, Pastor Dave, before we let loose this. I remember about uh, three years ago, how about here know Katie Brady? Katie Brady had a uh, big uh, citywide, what do you call it, a worship thing she did, but went for a couple days. And the thing there, she had several churches and praise the worship leaders, people come there and did it. And I was in the crowd out there, and Katie kept saying, Pastor, have you got a word or anything? You got a word or anything? And I thought, man, I'd like to have a word. I didn't get anything. And all these other preachers kept going up there, and it was Katie from our church, and our church doing this thing. I sat there in the crowd. I felt so stupid. I didn't have anything. And Father, the Lord spoke to my heart. He said this. He said, this whole thing is yours. He said, if you had to do what you did to influence her, to influence these people, nobody would have anything because nobody would be here. Because you came from there and came here and influenced the people running this, everything happened here is you. And so I just said that to say this. Our greatest desire is to see the things we teach get put into action by the people out here. And then your greatest desire is we see your family doing it. Would you see your fellow employees doing it? Would you see the change all around you? That's where your greatest happiness comes from. You see that other people be doers of the word. So amen, amen, amen. Pastor David, we'll let you have it. Amen. All right. Uh, my son instructed me, bring you up for prayer. <laughs> So if anybody needs prayer, come on up here. Amen. When you shift from pastor's anointing to teaching anointing, sometimes you have to have help of what to do. <laughs> Glory to God. And uh, so let, let's just enter that phase of worship right now and stay in the spirit for the people up here. Amen, amen, amen. And extend your hands this way if you want to, just 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 as a point of contact to release the anointing you have. Nothing can tear me away from your love, Lord. Nothing can separate your heart from mine. Nothing can tear me away from your love, Lord. I am yours. I am yours. Nothing can tear me away from your love, Lord. Nothing can separate your heart from mine. Nothing can tear me away from your love, Lord. I am yours. 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 I am yours.
And I love you And Jesus, I love you Yes, I love you Because you first loved me And I love you And Jesus, I love you Yes, I love you Because you first loved me Nothing can tear me away from your love, Lord Nothing can separate your heart from mine Nothing can tear me away from your love, Lord. I am yours. I am yours. Nothing can tear me away from your love, Lord. Nothing can separate your heart from mine. Nothing can tear me away from your love, Lord. I am yours. 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 And I love you Jesus, I love you Yes, I love you Because you first loved me And I love you Jesus, I love you Yes, I love you Because you first loved me Nothing can tear me away from your love, Lord Nothing can separate your heart from mine Nothing can tear me away from your love, Lord I am yours I am yours Nothing can tear me away from your love, Lord Nothing can separate your heart from mine 
Nothing can tear me away from your love, Lord. I am yours. 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 And I love you. Jesus, I love you. Yes, I love you. Because you first loved me. And I love you. And Jesus, I love you. Yes, I love you. Because you first loved me. Jesus. Well, who received from the word of God tonight? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. We're going to go ahead and wind things down here tonight. want to remind you that uh, 9 o'clock tomorrow morning, if you're available, we're going to be there for uh, Nick Alva getting sworn into the Barstow Police Department. We're excited for our brother and we're proud of him. And then uh, tomorrow night, 5 p.m., H Street Park, we're having the picnic together, and uh, it's just going to be, you bring some food for your family, and uh, we'll hang out, we'll, the kids will play, the adults can can hang out, and it's just a really good time to connect, meet other church members, and have some good godly fellowship, because you need good Christian friends, that's a part of this thing, so uh, 5 o'clock tomorrow night, H Street Park, amen, let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll speak some words of faith over Barstow, and you can be dismissed. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, uh, for this whole day, God. We've been studying your word, and you seem to really be speaking to us about the importance of meditating in the word of God day and night, Lord. It's what you told Joshua. It's what you told David all over the Psalms. And so, Lord, we know it's what you're telling us uh, right now in 2023. And I pray that we would be doers of this word and not hearers only, Lord, uh, because we want to be in the fullness of the blessing you have for our lives. And we want to be used of you in these end times. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and mercy. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Can someone say amen? All right, let's speak some faith over Barstow tonight. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen.